Hi, this is Jeremy Gritton, art director and story lead for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 39 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, July 5th, 2020. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we discuss the rising cost of games running into the next gen, 60 plus summer game fest demos are coming to Xbox One later this month, and more information services on the still unannounced Xbox Lockhart. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And throughout this entire summer of gaming that we've had, a bevy of events here and there, we've had so many places to look. It seems that in this past week, we had a chance to catch our breath. The game game news seemed to slow down just a bit. The arrival of Last of Us 2 and the PlayStation 5 event seemed to signify a collective uh, inhale, and we're waiting now for the exhale before we get into the back half of summer and finding out so much in what is deemed to be the month for Xbox. This July is is unofficially named the month for Xbox. We've had, you know, IGN's Summer of Gaming has come and gone. The PlayStation 5 event and reveal has come and gone. We've seen so many different uh, smaller events in different sites. The Guerrilla Collective of course being one of them now we're all kind of waiting for what this this new july event will be microsoft has stated outright that it will be having its xbox series x showcase for lack of a better term sometime in the month of july we're here now recording on july 5th expecting that event to be in the latter portion of the month but uh, we're, we're all looking forward to whatever it is they have to show off their launch lineup and that launch window slate to take us into their next generation, selling us on why we need to be buying into the Xbox Series X. And as we look forward to that, we, we find that not a whole lot happened in this, in this past week in terms of news. However, there were several pieces to note that I think will... We'll, set the tone and lay the groundwork for the types of, of costs we'll be going ha- going into next-gen, I should say, what we'll be paying for games, where we might speculate the systems to be. And let's begin, of course, with the announcement that the price of the NBA 2K games will differ from this Xbox One PS5 generation to the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X generation. And this raises a few eyebrows and plenty of questions, of course, coming in. Right now, in the Xbox One era, games cost a standard MSRP of $59.99. Well, it was announced that NBA 2K21 will cost $69.99 on Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Now, the rising cost of games is something that we we know has been taking place, and I have several statistics and a few quotes to lay out here to go along with that, but we know that the cost of making games is going up. The MSRP, the launch uh, price of games, has not changed in two generations. We've seen the Xbox 360 and Xbox One games launch at 
$69.99 for, for a full-price standard affair. And they've been using a, a multitude of ways to offset the rising cost of games by way of season passes, DLC packs, microtransactions, selling cosmetics. All those are used to offset the cost of games. And there's a lot to break down into this, but let me first read you some quotes and some information coming out of GameIndustry.biz, and then we'll offer a bit more of my thoughts and some of the community anecdotes that I've heard coming out of this. Now, much of this information does come from GameIndustry.biz. I want to be very clear about that. But the issue around game pricing was discussed by former PlayStation exec Sean Layden. He was in a Game Lab conference, and he said this, quote, It's been $59.99 since I started in this business, but the cost of games have gone up 10 times. If you don't have the elasticity on price point, but you have a huge volatility, volatility on the cost line, the model becomes more difficult. I think this generation, you're going to see those two imperatives collide. Now, I'm sorry, end quote. So what he's talking about there is that there's no elasticity, there's no uh, varying of launch prices truly despite the rising cost of games. And those two things are going to come to a head and come to a conflict in that studios simply won't be able to make the same amount of games uh, or the same amount of quality of games for the same prices and sell them at the same prices. He's talked about some solutions being to make shorter games, i.e. if development costs for a 20-hour game uh, are cheaper than making a 30-40 hour game then you should go for the 20 hour game maybe maybe sniff some stuff out there's a lot of ideas that come in with that now president of visual concepts Greg Thomas who is working over with the NBA 2K side he said quote we're combining all of our experience in development and expertise to craft the best possible uh, the best game possible for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X we're building this game from the ground up to take full advantage of next gen power and technology end quote that is a very different case, whereas Sean Layden is arguing make games shorter when you have a sports game, there might be something different in that. Maybe you're cutting or adding features accordingly. Of course, the president of Visual Concepts working in an NBA field, uh, working on a sports game, trying to sell his product would talk about how the next-gen, more expensive model is worth your dollar. Every company does this for any product they're trying to sell. Microsoft themselves do this as well when they talk about the Xbox Series X. And you can expect them to do that exact thing when they talk about the Xbox Xbox Series S uh, or Lockhart uh, at some point later on this year. I would expect in August. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but of course you want to talk about why your product is more valuable, particularly if it's more expensive. You need to sell people on that idea for why it's worth it. But Sean Layden does make a clear point in that if you've got an experience that is X amount of hours long, the amount of development and polish and Q&A uh, for a game that, that, that extends beyond a certain point, it might be worth it to scale back and, and have a smaller project, an IEA cheaper project. I think there is validity in that, and there is something identifiable and something worthwhile and worth having in that. Something that Sony made their bread and butter on in this past generation were third-person single-player experiences. Uh, you have Horizon, you have Last of Us, you have God of War, you have Spider-Man. All stand Days Gone is in there, I suppose, as well. All stand out as being single-player driven games, but they all extend to varying levels of length. I mean, you can play Spider-Man for about, what, 20 hours or so you could probably platinum that bad boy in what 30 and maybe add on maybe 10 for the dlc if you wanted to god of war is a 40 hour experience to do everything in that game and then you you, you can break down the idea of how long a game is versus the money put into it you look at xbox's approach to games you know you gears of war 5 an incredible story which i encourage many of you to play 15 hour campaign and then a multiplayer um 
a multiplayer suite of options that extend your life well beyond 15 hours. That might be a cheaper method or a way to recoup costs, keep people engaged in your ecosystem. That might not. There's something to be noted in that with Unit Soul, with people uh, buying into it and talking about games and how and how much they like them. There's a lot of zeitgeist that surrounds this. So Sean Layden's idea of shorter games does have some validity. However, there's some evidence to present a bit differently to that. And it's simply a matter of approach for games. What is interesting about this NBA 2K uh, rising the price of next-gen games is that it's very clear that they're not going to be taking advantage of smart delivery. That's something that EA was seemingly planning to ignore as well with the Madden launch when they talked about how you know you could have a $10 upgrade if you wanted the next one, and then the internet seemed to, to uh, let's just say, outcry in frustration. They were definitely polite about it, I'm sure. And EA presumably walked it back with their FIFA and Madden plans uh, and were adjusting a bit. And that does bring up the idea of, okay, smart delivery seems to be the right choice for some, not the right for uh, not the right choice for others. Sports games are a unique approach to this. Some people equate sports games, Madden, FIFA, NBA, to simply being roster updates each year. And in some ways, I recognize that argument because the turnaround development time from one version to the next is about eight months. That's a lot. I mean, those guys are absolute wizards to improve upon a game in eight months and release a whole new slate every single um, year. There's something to that. However, I can understand people being a bit frustrated if they don't feel or see or make use of some of those new features. So I would argue 2K put themselves into a a bit of a a conundrum here early on, but I will tell you this, guys. I really don't think it's going to affect their sales one bit. We are overdue for a price uh, jump in games. We've had the same prices for, for quite a long time. We're overdue for a price jump. And the sports models are the games to, to do that. They've got a dedicated fan base year in and year out that are going to buy their games. And uh, if EA, in their, in their right, likes to make sense of their EA access program and getting people in a bit earlier on game, a bit cheaper on games, that's absolutely fine. I think we'll see... Uh, price adjustment options going forward, but there's just there's some some worth keeping eyes on this. Now, uh, one more quote that I thought was worth noting was that IDG president and CEO uh, Yoshio Osaki, pardon me for his name, says that game pricing has remained flat since 2005, but if you look at TV and movie pricing, those have increased significantly. So we're comparing this now to another entertainment medium in both home and box office approaches. Osaki says that the next-gen console game production costs have increased by 200 to 300% depending upon the IP. That brings up my, my references to, say, like God of War and the length of a game and the quality and polish there and a Gears of War approach. Uh, he says, but the prices for games with studio and genre remain $59.99, but cinema ticket prices have gone up 39%. Netflix, Netflix subscription costs have gone up 100%. Cable TV packages have risen by 105%. So you have comparative evidence across two to three different mediums, uh, and it's clear that game pricing needs to go up. This highlights the value of subscription services like Game Pass, but even within the Game Pass realm, we must note that games are now entering and exiting with more regularity, which is all part of the plan, I would imagine, for Xbox. They added the Game Pass Ultimate option for you to combine Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Game Pass together, but that does increase your monthly uh, input when you're in Game Pass Ultimate. But how much you use? 
probably not using at all. I mean, not, not every gamer is using Game Pass on their console and their PC and making use of Xbox Live and Games with Gold and how many games can you access at each time. So there's, there's approaches to this that make sense. But I think the subscription service and the age of the subscription service is upon us. EA Access has been working to modify itself and adapt and bring, they brought themselves into the PlayStation market after being exclusive to Xbox for some time. Game Pass itself is evolving. You have to imagine Ubisoft's going to have something to say within the subscription services as well this is simply a a continued change in how we pay for our games and it will highlight the value of subscription services going forward physical media is going away owning a game doesn't mean the same thing it once did and i think we're gonna have to come to terms with this as we move forward into the next gen as for whether or not i am bothered by the price jump i am not however i did like microtransactions and season passes as a way to offset costs allow me to explain buying borderlands 3 was a game was something i wanted to do in order to try out the game bought it for 60 dollars. my friend kevin uh diehard borderlands fan bought in the best of the best edition uh for significantly more than that probably 120 i believe i'm not 100 sure uh i didn't like borderlands 3 so my buy-in was only 60 dollars base he could have done bought in at the base and then upgraded accordingly, buying DLCs because he liked the game and he was rewarded for that content. When I played Arkham Knight, my favorite game of the generation, I bought the game and then subsequently had so much fun with the game, bought the DLCs, and had more experiences, more bang for the buck. For, for, for somebody that didn't like that, they didn't have to buy in on that. They could have the base experience and move on. I like that as a way to offset costs for games. You get it, get people in the door cheaply or you know at a base model, and then if they want to upgrade, they can. I told, I spoke recently about playing Minecraft Dungeons. I upgraded to the Hero Edition because I was willing to pay more for more content after playing the base game within Game Pass. I, I appreciate that approach. The market often speaks when you have predatory approaches to microtransactions. Think about Star Wars EA Battlefront 2. That game launched as a disaster, despite a ho-hum but decent campaign that, that I thought was worth playing with the ex exception of some cameo parts. It was a pretty good campaign, but the online was a pay-to-win disaster. The market spoke and responded to it. You boot up Battlefront 2 right now, that game is fantastic. All of you should be playing it. It's a great Star Wars experience now. I love the co-op mode, but the market had to speak on those microtransactions. If they're predatory or they don't work or people don't like them, people won't buy them, and the company is incentivized to change their practices. So there is room for a lot of these models, and if you find something that's predatory, vote with your wallet, or rather, don't vote using your wallet. There's a, a great way to approach that. Uh, all in all, I think there's something to watch here. Smart delivery is going to pave the way for Xbox customers, of course, going forward. We are fairly protected in the first year or so in this transition into next gen. And then from then on there out, you're going to have to identify with, do you want to pay $70 for a game out the gate for a Microsoft game, or do you want to have Game Pass? And I think part of the plan is, is that that's okay. They want you to have Game Pass. Game Pass is the right way to go. All right, that does it for that topic. Let's move on to the next. It is getting harder and harder to deny the existence of Lockhart. Prominent journalists with that throughout the industry from IGN to Windows Central are talking about Lockhart as if it exists. Some of us are calling it the Xbox Series S, others simply referring to it by its code name. But bottom line, for all the netcode evidence therein, we are seeing evidence that Lockhart is a real thing. Several months ago, I consistently questioned whether or not it was real. Perhaps it had been real at one point, but the economies changed it. 
it seems to be that this is going to be a real thing for sure. And many of us are seeing that Xbox uh, Series X kind of chopped in half and looking like an Xbox Cube, that render that's going around the internet. However, sources are saying, and this is Jez Corden from Windows Central, that the Lockhart looks more like an Xbox One S without a disk drive. Now that's interesting to me that the Series X is such a tower design, such a revolutionary approach to, to the way a console would look, very PC-esque in some ways. But this, the Lockhart, the Series S version, the slimmed down, smaller version, uh, is more, I, I would suppose, console tra or traditional console design is the right way to put that. Other reports are saying that uh, Microsoft dev kits for Lockhart are being hidden inside of Xbox Series S's, which or Xbox One S's, I should say, which raises all the number of eyebrows. Is this thing a puck? Is it a stick? What are we talking about with this? What is real when it comes to the Xbox Series S? It, all evidence points to the fact that it does exist, so much so that even Ryan McCaffrey, host of Unlocked, and he also works over at IGN's Next Gen Console Watch, said in the opening three minutes that he has heard from good sources that it would general that it's generally understood within the industry that Lockhart will be three hundred dollars or less. All the more eyebrows raised. Okay, if it, the Lockhart is three hundred dollars, what does that make a Series X? Is that going to be a five hundred dollar box? We know they packed a ton of, of technology into that thing. What is it going to be? Are we looking at a three hundred five hundred? Are we looking at a two hundred four hundred? Is it a three hundred six hundred? I'm ready for these rumors to go away, but I do not expect the Lockhart approach to be revealed to us until August. I would imagine that this wonderful July event that Xbox is, is said to be hosting later on this month is going to be all about games. They're going to showcase what they've been doing with their first party studios, why that why it's prudent for you to upgrade into the Xbox Series X or Lockhart. Why is it worth getting rid of that Xbox One? Or if you were a previous Sony household, why should you be buying into the Xbox ecosystem one way or another? Their job and their best way to do that is to showcase games. Show us whatever that Fable game is. Show us whatever they've got uh, building around those 15 core studios. Are you adding studios? Does the Rocksteady rumor, does, does WB factor into this at all? July needs to be the time where they have mic drop moments from start to finish with a few hummers in here and there, but they have mic drop moments throughout to showcase why Xbox is back better than ever and you need to be with Xbox going into next gen. Games, games, games needs to be the message of July. Everything from, from the Xbox family going forward. And they, they can touch on the fact that you can play some of these on Xbox One via smart delivery and then upgrade. They can touch on uh, Xbox Game Pass. They can touch on xCloud. But it needs to be really about the games. August is perhaps a better time to talk about hardware, talk about the pricing, the release date of the Series X, the pricing of the Series X, the pricing of the Series S, the release date of the Series S, when and how much, if there's any bad news therein, that should be shown off in August. However, July should be dedicated in news cycles for what it is you're going to be playing on the Xbox platforms going forward. That's what July is for, and that's what it needs to be for going ahead. One of the ways they're planning to do this and to kick off the idea of Xbox being the place to go to and reinforcing the idea that the major events for Xbox are going to be in the latter portion of July, Summer Game Fest demos are coming to Xbox One starting July 21st. Now, this is a big deal. From July 21st to July 27th, 
over 60 game demos that you might have played on the show floor if we were at an E3 are going to be available from your dashboard on your Xbox One. This is huge. It's never been done before. A lot of these demos are going to be very early builds. Some of them might crash on you. Some of them won't be representative of the final game. A lot of the devs are going to be soliciting feedback and checking out responses to people. But from your dashboard, beginning on July 21st, 60 plus, we're, see we're hearing more like 75 to 100, but 60 plus confirmed titles are going to be available for demos going forward and they'll be available only for that one week they might return they might not but it's demos for the devs to get feedback that they would have gotten on a show floor at e3 or a pax this is a huge deal we've seen this in the pc space but never in the console space games like skatebird haven destroy all humans are confirmed to be there you'll be able to download demos play them for a set amount of time, and then some of them will never be accessible again. You won't be able to re-access them. But that is a, a big step for soliciting responses from a player base, exposing a player base to your games in a way that was never done before. I was at E3 2019. I was at the exclusive press event and the the what was it, the fan fest approaches where we didn't have long lines to play a lot of games. And so we went around to each indie game and played each one and we saw what they had. I played Darksiders Genesis before it launched and saw the differences from how it changed from early demo to where it is now. And it is a really cool evolution. Now everyone can take part no major lines, digital distribution showing why it's worthwhile, and gamers can check out all types of games they never would have before for free. If you were wondering about Skatebird, if when I say the word Haven, you don't know what kind of game I'm talking about, this is a chance for you to check them out for free. What's, what's neat about this, guys, what I really dig about this is more people are exposed to more games in a way that lets them celebrate them, get excited for them. We've seen so many documentaries where... Uh, the, the lone game developer puts their game out there and they're just talking to people that are willing to walk up to the booth. Now they don't have to have that. They can just distribute it right now into the Xbox ecosystem from the Summer Game Fest demo. Jeff Keighley and, and friends will likely be uh, talking about it and hosting interviews as well. And it's a one-stop shop. It's on your Xbox dashboard. You don't have to do anything major for it. I'm all in on this. I'm excited by this. This is a big deal. The trick is, it's got to work. We know some of the games may not work. I'm talking about their, their layout and their presentation has got to get people in the door. It's got to get people in the door. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm hoping that we are able to stream a lot of these demos and showcase what's what. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun week. And if they start July 21st, a lot of the rumors are saying that July 23rd will be the big Xbox event. Uh, we don't have any knowledge or confirmation. I think the industry is just kind of collectively saying, oh, we think that's it. But we don't have any confirmation of it. But I dig this Summer Game Fest demo approach. This is, this is a great sign, and I am very much looking forward to it. I know I want to play the Destroy All Humans demo. I wasn't really... Wasn't really one for, for the older version, but I'm really excited by the, the upcoming new one. Haven is one that I'm stoked for. They've got a lot of stuff in there. Some good-looking things uh, showcased on the ID at Xbox page. And 75 to 100 is a lot. So I'm wondering, I'm really wondering how they're going to uh, get you know get this out to people in, in, a, in an approach that lets people see things and gives them storefront space. That'll be the challenge. One week, seven days for 100 games. All right, are you doing... Are you doing uh, 10 a day minimum to get to 70 and then and sprinkling some in here and there are you are you doing certain things to coincide there's a lot to, to wonder in that but I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure uh, it's it's a neat undertaking and whether the demos get republished in the demo channel or not is not confirmed some of them will some will not 
but I'm I'm excited by this idea of, of demos maybe making a return in a way that's more helpful, in a way that's more enjoyable, and that serves a greater purpose for purchasing later on. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Hello, Two Forks Tower. This is Sissy Jones, voice of Delilah from Firewatch, and you are listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Quite a few of you writing in questions this week, which really, I can't tell you enough how much I enjoy and appreciate you guys writing in questions, giving me stuff to talk about. I recently uh, reflected on how valuable video games are towards for me, being a catharsis and a de-stressing approach and, and making my life better. And through XEP and streaming and talking to you guys on Twitter, I find and take great enjoyment in that. I recently finished The Last of Us 2, which is, uh, if nothing else, a very heavy game, a very difficult game to go through emotionally. And it was... It was, it was tough, and so after I finished The Last of Us 2, I, of course I have lots of thoughts on it. I want to write an article about it. I don't know where I'd publish it, but I have a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, I sought to, I suppose, uh, relinquish the burden of some of that stress, and so I booted up Peggle 2. That was the one-time Xbox exclusive from way back when. Loved Peggle 2. I reflected on some games that just make me happy, like Super Lucky's Tale and Mario Kart, and I played some of those. And it was just neat to showcase the power of video games for an emotional status within us. And so uh, whether I'm playing them or talking about them, I appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you guys who have written into the show. I've got several of you who wrote in this week. Uh, quite a few of you have been supporting me over on Twitch. I made Twitch affiliate, which was super neat. In fact, the first question came from someone who wanted to remain anonymous. That's that's no problem. Um, but asked how the, the Twitch journey was going and how they can support me, uh, which I thought was a very sweet and uh, uh, it was just a funny question. Um, but I, I got a kick out of it. So I started Twitch. I made Twitch affiliate. So I'm tw- uh, streaming over at twitch.tv slash insipidghost as a replacement for Mixer. Uh, and it's been really cool. I've really had a good time. I'm up, I'm up to a little over 70 followers, uh, hitting affiliates really neat. Uh, support. They asked how they could support me, and I, I, I have a weird answer to that. If you're, follow, if you're listening to the show right now, you are supporting me. Let's make that very clear. That means the world. Uh, if you're on your podcast platform of choice and it has an ability to rate the show, sweet. That's a great way to do it. Um, financially, now that I'm a Twitch affiliate, you can subscribe to that channel, and those funds go directly towards supporting XEP, but never is that a requirement. I want to be very clear about that. I made the show for my own enjoyment, for my own catharsis, for my own uh, peace of mind, and that's where I'm at now. And that that's, will always be what it is. So yeah, if you're supporting me on Twitch financially, thank you. That supports this show. But uh, guys, if you're listening, you're supporting. That's that's It's simple as that, and that's the coolest thing in the world. So thank you. Uh, I almost said your name. Thank you, anonymous person. I appreciate the question, but uh, no need to, to stress any of that. Let's go to some actual video game questions here. A uh, good friend of mine... Famous Seamus writes in, he says, Now that we are over halfway to this point in the year, oof, man, what a year, uh, what are your top five games so far? Mine are Streets of Rage 4, Persona 5 Royal, The Last of Us Part 2, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, Famous Seamus, that's a great question, man, and I really struggled to put them in an order, uh, 
particularly because numbering things and whatnot is tough for me when it comes to that. Darksiders Genesis, I think, is my favorite game of this year. It just I just clicked with that game. I really enjoyed it. It was a wonderful... It kind of lined up with my personal interests of learning about Darksiders from Game Pass and then playing the Darksiders games. So Darksiders Genesis is one of them. Or in the Will of the Wisps, I agree with you. One of the best games ever made and certainly... Uh, among the best games for the year. I really hope that doesn't get snubbed in Game of the Year conversations later on because it is a work of art. Uh, I really love Minecraft Dungeons, man. I'm having a lot of fun with that. The Modern Warfare 2 remaster is another one that I'm loving as well. Uh, and, and those are kind of four that stand out in my mind. I did play Last of Us 2. That, that's still too raw for me to say. It's very well made, but I'm not sure I had fun, um, and so I'm not sure where I stand on that. I really liked Maneater, which was a really silly, stupid game. I like stupid games sometimes. Uh, for sure. I think Gears Tactics is one that we'll bring up later on this year. While it technically released, it released to the PC audience, which I don't interact with much, and a lot of my my Twitter space doesn't as well. So I'm unaware of a lot of the greater conversations with Gears Tactics, and I'm looking forward to when that arrives onto console space. I would imagine we find out about that later this month, truth be told. So I'm curious if that doesn't doesn't float in there. Uh, not Not a this year game, but I played it this year, which was God of War. God of War is perhaps the best game ever made. I, I stand firm in that I've had uh, a lot of conversations about quality, about gaming. I, I, I love games on all systems for sure. Uh, but God of War w- was a game that really stood out. And so I'm, I didn't play it when it first launched, but I did play it this year. And that's been a, a really cool journey. Or it was a really cool journey to play through. And I look forward to Microsoft responding to that with the games of that quality as well. I think we're... We're well on our way to that. I'm looking forward to that. Todd Oxtra. Todd Oxtra writes in, What do you think the fate of the Xbox One hardware will be once the Series X launches? Great question, Todd. Uh, Kill it. I hope they kill it. I hope Xbox One goes away and goes away quickly. Uh, Manufacture only what you need to support the repair divisions. You know, you have maintenance, people's consoles breaking, people that don't upgrade right away. But really, I would hope that they uh, really, really, really scale back Xbox One production and put those resources in and finances and streamlining Xbox Series X and, and potentially Lockhart, but also just selling what is needed. I think digital distribution will factor into how many consoles need to be made at a certain time. Maybe they've got a blue ocean strategy where they only make you know X amount of consoles, increasing demand, maybe not. Uh, how will xCloud factor into that? I'm not sure. But as far as the Xbox One units, it's time to let them go. They lost this generation. They lost it spectacularly well. I'm telling you, I always, I think I bring this up almost every show. They lost with 50 million units sold. That's pretty darn great. Uh, but go ahead and, and leave it behind. Move people into your next gen. That's fine. We don't need Xbox One sitting on the shelves, gathering dust. That's not a good look in the social media space. Go ahead and scale that back and kill it and let it be done. Keep enough for your repair divisions to be going and, and move on. And I would hope that's what they do quickly. Uh, because it's time to move people into next-gen. PlayStation's going to be doing something similar, though their strategy is likely a bit different because they've got so many consoles out in the wild. Uh, but yeah, I would say they, they go ahead and nix production on a lot of the Xbox Ones, certainly the Series S's, or the Xbox One S's. See, look at that. I almost did it again. Xbox One S's should scale back all the way. Xbox One X's should be scaled back and then reduced in price. Uh, but really what you want to do is create an atmosphere and an environment where your Series S and your Series X are what is selling. And even if you price the Xbox Ones to go, you don't want them competing for mindshare into the next gen. So kill it, kill it quick, and uh, let people move into next gen is the right way to do it, I would, I would think. 
Assemble writes into the show with a question that I really dig. He said, with the launch of both questions uh, and having a better idea of the specs, what feature for the new Xbox excites you? What feature do you think will win over gamers, i.e. ray tracing? That's a great question, Assemble. And uh, by the way, great video over on your YouTube channel, man, uh, showcasing the PS4 Spider-Man with the white spider on his chest. Really dig that statue. I have it myself. I I dig it. But as far as what feature I look forward to in next-gen, for me, it's quick resume across multiple games. Of course, faster loading is important. I really enjoy uh, quick resume when I boot up my PlayStation 4, something that's a little bit faster than when I play Xbox One. And I would like to see uh, Xbox Series X showcase that quick resume in a great way. That's something I really like amongst games, the ability to, oh, I'm playing this game over here, and then, oh, my friend wants to play this. I'm going to jump over to that real quick, and then I can come back uh, to my my save state, you know, almost lightning fast. I'm really looking forward to that for sure. Uh, and, and as far as a feature that I think every system should should approach or have, I don't know that you can do it on a system level. But for lack of a better knowledge base, crossplay is super important to me going forward. The ability to crossplay between systems to to make my my choice play on my Xbox Series X, play with my friend who has a PlayStation Five or is playing on their Switch. Uh, that's important. If my wife, goodness gracious, she's into Ring Fit Adventure, maybe I can get her into Minecraft Dungeons. If I can be upstairs playing Minecraft Dungeons on my Xbox Series X, my Xbox One X, whatever, and she's on her Switch and she's playing Minecraft Dungeons as well, that's great. I want crossplay to be a feature that is almost standard in in third-party games and in any any first-party game where relevant for Xbox and Microsoft. We have seen time and again that Xbox games are selling over on PC. Sea of Thieves is crushing it over on the Steam charts, which is dope. That's awesome. Master Chief Collection is rocking on the Steam charts. That's amazing. Crossplay between PC and console, very important. Crossplay between consoles uh, across different mediums, also important. I want to see that as well. Uh, Betterman piggybacked on your question and said, as reverse to this question, what feature, if anything, do you wish was part of either system? And that's what I'm not 100% sure how to answer. Sometimes when you when you look at a future, uh, you struggle with what you don't know. People with better minds than myself are building things. I know I want faster loading. I'm going to get that with whatever next-gen system I get. I know I'm going to get quick resume with whatever next-gen system I get. I know crossplay is a conversation. Ray tracing? Truth is, I've never seen ray tracing in a way that is like, oh, I have to have that. Uh, so I don't know if I want that. Uh, I don't know some of these audio things that are moving into next gen where people are talking about 3D audio on a level well beyond what we have. I didn't know or care how good audio could be on a good headset on the Xbox One generation until a year ago, two years ago. Steel Series sent me an Arctis 9X, popped that thing on, opened my world to what audio could be in a video game. It changed my entire perception. Before that, I didn't even care about audio. So I think part of this thing, this question that you guys have about what features I'm looking forward to, it's tough for me to answer because the truth is I don't know what I want. I don't know what there is to improve upon until I see it. My mind simply doesn't function that way in some respects. And so uh, I'm looking forward to to improved audio, of course. Better graphics, I think, is a given, but not a necessity. Uh, I think we're going to have that, but really it's about the experience, the overall UI experience. Will there be some AR integration? Will you have better app integration with the phones? Uh, there's so many methods to unpack this. I would really love to see them uh, continue their partnership with Oculus and with Vive and say, hey, if you have an Oculus or Vive, you can hook it up to your Series X 
and you can play their their platform games. They've been very buddy buddy with Steam. Hard to hard to cre- create, or rather, I should say, it's not hard to connect dots to say, hey, they're talking to Facebook Gaming, Oculus. Hey, they're talking to Steam a lot. They're talking to uh, different companies like Samsung about getting Game Pass on different things. Why wouldn't they be willing to talk to uh, to HTC Vive about getting VR over on the system? I don't know these things, but it's not a hard stretch of the imagination to think those conversations are happening. So. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know, obviously, which is a silly thing to say, but the truth is I, I just don't have a great answer because I don't know what I want at this point. I don't know what I need apart from more games, and games are what I care about. So we'll, we'll see there. Oh, my. Guys, I really enjoyed this episode with you. Tune in for next week. I have several interviews lined up. One of them I can tell you about, the developers at Sabotage Studios for The Messenger. If you're unfamiliar, The Messenger is available on Game Pass for PC and Game Pass for console. Uh, The developers for The Messenger are going to be coming on and talking about their game. Uh, That's the one interview I can confirm. The other two are are hush-hush quiet until I can lock those bad boys down. Uh, But you can look forward to that in the next episode. You'll have an interview with that amazing rare achievement unlocked sound at the end of it. Uh, For now, though, guys, thank you for listening to XCP. Have a wonderful week. Please tweet me at insipidghost. Email me, insipidghost at gmail.com. And then, of course, if you'd like to make your way over to Twitch, you can see me there, twitch.tv slash insipidghost. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.